Winston Cup champion Alan Kowicki's racing career came to an abrupt end Thursday night. The 38-year-old race car driver was killed in a fiery plane crash in a rural neighborhood in Bluntville, Tennessee. Obviously, that night in itself was very emotional, very draining. Uh, several of us were up all night. 30 years ago, NASCAR lost its reigning series champion on the way to a race. It was a night that changed a lot of people's lives forever. This week, those who responded to the crash, those who covered it in the media, and those who knew Alan recount the loss of NASCAR's champion. Of course, I had heard of Alan. That's Tom Roberts. He would eventually become the public relations director for Miller Brewing Company, as well as Rusty Wallace, and eventually Alan Kowicki. But when he first met Alan, he was working for the Nashville Fairgrounds. One of the things that that was my responsibility, which, uh, you know, I really enjoy doing it, my responsibilities were laying out the souvenir program and doing news releases. I wound up choosing several drivers that I did news releases on uh, relative to their participation in the All-American 400, and I decided to do one on Alan Kowicki. The only problem, at least in Alan's eyes, is that Tom, or TR as most people called him, had never met Kowicki. He sees that article, and I guess like the lights went on in his brain saying, I never talked to this guy. What is, you know, like, <laughs> what's going on here? So uh, I'm in my office and phone phone rings and the conversation went something like, uh, hello, Tom Roberts. Tom? You never call me TR. Everybody else always call me. Tom? Yes. Tom Roberts. He says, this is Alan Kowicki. I said, hey, Alan, how are you doing? Why did you do that? That phone call eventually led to a meeting and a friendship. And years later, Roberts would take on the role as PR rep for Kowicki. The same time Alan was making his way up through the American Speed Association ranks, or ASA, a young pit crew member from Bristol, Tennessee, was also making his way into the NASCAR world. I've been very fortunate, very blessed in my career to have worked with a lot of drivers. And, and These days, Chris Carrier is a truck series crew chief. But in the 80s, he was a crew member for Ed Whitaker's Bush Grand National team. Over its 20 years in the sport, the Bristol-based team fielded cars for the likes of Harry Gant, Mark Martin, and Dale Earnhardt Jr. The first NASCAR races that Alan competed in were in Ed Whitaker's Bush Grand National car, the first race we ran was at Milwaukee, which was Allen's hometown. And through the next three or four years, we ran a few races with Allen in Ed's car, including Daytona, Charlotte, Bristol, again at Milwaukee. Chris and Allen maintained a friendship in the years that would follow, with Carrier even offering Kowicki a place to stay when he came to Bristol, as he was first trying to get his small race team off the ground. Something that at times was complicated by Alan's laser-sharp focus on getting things done exactly the way he wanted it done. Winston Kelly of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. He wasn't the easiest person in the world to work with, but he was very focused on what he wanted to do. He turned down offers to work with some of the mega teams and, and the multi-car teams like Junior Johnson because he wanted to run his own show. 
That's where Alan's handpicked circle of friends came into play. Kawikiites. That's that's <laughs> the phrase that that we I finally I think concocted uh, later in later years. But I'll tell you, he was so focused and so determined that he could walk right by you and not even notice you. Alan Kawicki wins the Food City 500. But the NASCAR world couldn't help but notice Kawicki. By 1992, he had built his race team into a champion with Alan as owner and driver. You'll never see uh, an independent driver-owner uh, achieve the pinnacle of success that Alan Kawicki did. And I think a lot of it is situated around and emphasized and reinforced by his song selection that he had that year when we went to the NASCAR banquet in 1992. My way. Because he epitomized getting things done his way. I did it my I really am a fortunate person to be here tonight, and I really count my blessings. We've all got a lot to be thankful for here. I hope that in the year to come, I will be a good representative. I hope that when 1993 is over, that uh, people at Winston, the people at NASCAR, and the competitors all look back and say, we were proud to have him represent us as our champion. Thank you. At the time, my wife and I uh, lived in Bluntville, and um, I remember getting up that morning early and getting ready to go to the racetrack. I actually worked for the Food Country team at that time, running Xfinity Series, Bush Grand National at that point. And I went down, it was pretty early, and it was dark, and I remember going down to the bottom of the driveway and getting the newspaper and just walking back up, did whatever, uh, let the dog out, or well, I can't remember, whatever, you know, normal routine. And then as I was walking up the stairs, up, back upstairs to the kitchen to eat breakfast my wife had prepared, uh, I opened up the paper, you know, and there it was. It's like, you know, Alan Kowicki killed. And I, and I just, I don't know. I, I mean, I just like went limp. On the morning of April 2nd, 1993, the racing world would wake up to the tragic news that Allen had died in a plane crash. Authorities say there is every indication the plane was on a normal pattern and a normal approach. And very suddenly it was lost from radar. But for so many, the nightmare started the evening of April 1st. We were in the, at the Sheraton Johnson City, waiting. We always met there. Roberts was originally going to be on that plane for an appearance at the Hooters in Knoxville. While waiting for AK to return to Bristol for the race, it was his friend Rusty Wallace who broke the news to him. Rusty and his pilot, Bill Brooks, come in, and they're the ones that told me that, that he, they thought that it was his plane. 
Lori Worley would eventually do public relations for the Bristol Motor Speedway. But on that night, she was working for the Bristol Herald Courier. I was working in the newsroom that night, and um, one of our beat reporters was listening to the scanner, and it came across that a plane had gone down, and um, that, you know, they thought that it was a NASCAR driver aboard. Paul Johnson, who recently retired as main anchor for WCYB-TV, was working in Greenville, South Carolina at the time. I had just gotten to bed, and my sports director called and said, hey, you ever heard of Blountville, Tennessee? And I went, no, what, what, Blount? I said, it's not Bluntville, is it? He goes, well, maybe, yeah, maybe it's Bluntville. I said, well, that's where the airport is, why? He goes, they think a plane has gone down and they think Alan Quickie may have been on it. You know, just for me, um, never having dealt with a, having to cover something like that in my career, it was, it was really emotional and I honestly didn't know how to handle it first, that drive where I was going to the airport and in my head, I'm like thinking, still praying yeah. that he was gonna be okay and everybody on the, on the plane was gonna be okay. But, you know, pretty quickly after I got there, it was pretty obvious that there were no survivors, even though they didn't make that announce for quite a while. For TR, he immediately switched into public relations mode. I like went into shock mode, I guess you could say. Our, our, our worst nightmare had occurred. I wound up, uh, working the the entire day until after six o'clock at night was taking calls talking to alan's family talking to father gruba who was a fantastic priest that really has helped so many people through the years the rest of the team had to find a way to pick up the pieces at mid-morning the hauler which carries alan kowicki's race car made one final lap around the bristol international raceway Drivers, mechanics, and fans stood in silence, honoring the fallen Winston Cup champion. I think he was really just in, really getting to where he enjoyed having his car and driving and racing and all that went with it. And uh, that's the tough thing. I mean, it's hard to, hard to imagine. I remember being there. I was doing the PA at Bristol. And I remember that to hauler going around the track and leaving. Rusty Wallace would eventually go on to win the pole and the race that weekend. Given this close relationship to Kawicki, it was exactly what the team needed. It, 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 it makes me respect and love and appreciate uh, all of the other Kawickiites, Paul Andrews and Tony Gibson and Cal and uh, Danny and uh, all of them, and that they didn't have, they lost, they pretty much lost everything. 30 years later, Kowicki's legacy still lives on. He was a kind of a revolutionary. I mean, he started, he was an inventor, an innovator. He was just that smart to always looking for better things. He is now a member of the NASCAR Hall of Fame and will always have a place in the hearts of Roberts and Carrier. And although not from Bristol, he will always be connected to this community. Bristol will always be a special place uh, in the memory of, of Allen. And it's not all negative. And that if you, look, if you look at his career, he only won five races, but guess what? Two of them came at Rustle. TV archive audio used in this podcast is the property of WCYB, ESPN, and NASCAR Productions. Thanks for joining us for the special edition of The Backstretch, and we'll see you next week.